we jump into the message, let me just tell you a few things upcoming at the chapel. If you are a high school student, know a high school student, uh, are related to a high school student, then this is for you. Next Sunday, January 30th, 6.30 to 8.30 at our Sandusky campus, we are having our last Sunday construction night, which means uh, we're asking high school students to dress up like construction workers. Hats and vests, jeans, whatever you want to do to dress up, and it's going to be a fantastic night. And if you bring a friend that's never been to last Sunday before, you're going to a raffle for two, uh, I think it's two gift cards at Kalahari and four water park passes, which is kind of nice, especially on a day like this, to go and pretend you're in the 80-degree weather. So if you have a high school student or you know a high school student, what a great time for them not just to have fun, but connect and grow with others. That is next week. In your worship program, it says it's this weekend. Don't come. It's not going to be today, next weekend. So make sure to do that. And then uh, uh, Friday, February 4th, 6 to 7 p.m. at our Sandusky campus. I cannot wait for this event. Drew Robinson, um, he is a mental health advocate for the uh, San Francisco Giants now. And the reason he serves at that is because when he was a baseball player, he went through about a 20-hour period where he just couldn't decide if he wanted to live or not. And because he went through that and, and got to go through that and got mental help for his mental health, he became an advocate for it. And now he goes around and shares his story to raise awareness that mental health struggles are prevalent for so many of us. And so he's going to come and share his story along with Ryan Rua, who is a coach out in the Elyria area. And so if you want to come to this incredible event, uh, it's free to you, but you have to sign up soon. Space is limited. Once we uh, kind of sell out the worship center in Sandusky, then we have to close it off to the public. So if you do want to come, text the word baseball to that phone number on the screen and register, and it should be a great night. So let's continue on. This is our third week of Exhausted Message Series. And the reason we're calling this series Exhausted is because Every time I talk to somebody, it feels like I say, hey, how are you? And usually the responses are, I'm good, I'm busy, or I'm tired. And it feels like life right now, it just doesn't slow down. And so we wanted to look at what does God's word say about being exhausted and what can we do about it? That's why the first week we said, hey, we have to learn how to say no. Because when we can't say no, we are living as if we are God. We don't want to live that way. Instead, we need to learn how to create our schedule and manage it in a way where we still do the things we want to do, but it's not leading us. Rather, we're leading our schedule. So we talked about that in week one. Last week, we looked at how we can become exhausted, not just because of the physical and how exhausted we are by being busy, but also by the state of our souls. Many of us are exhausted because we continue to compromise our character. And so we looked at Daniel. And we looked at how if we stay and live a life of integrity, then we won't be tired because we'll be living our lives unto the Lord. This week, we're going to look at a topic that I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think I struggled with. And that's not even being arrogant because if you have heard me teach, you know I struggle with a lot of things. But this one I thought, you know what, I will just share wisdom for people that do struggle with this until this morning. <laughs> And then I started to reflect on my life. I'm like, I do struggle with this. And I'll tell you a couple stories in a few moments. But we're going to talk about the topic of people pleasing. Anybody feel like they are a people pleaser in here? No hands, but think about it. Do you feel like you're a people pleaser? 
if you do, then some of the reasons I'm going to show you why we are a people pleaser are going to resonate. If you don't, you may say, I, I don't think I am. Maybe some of these reasons that I show you on screen right now will prove that maybe you are. So how do you know if you're a people pleaser? Well, you might be a people pleaser if you look for ways to agree with others, even though deep down you disagree. You apologize often, and you are super sensitive to criticism. Some bells going off for some of us in here. It is hard for you to say no to people. Got some laughter over here. You cannot stand the thought of someone being angry with you. You avoid conflict at all costs. And finally, you feel responsible for how other people feel, so you do whatever you can to keep the peace. Now, do we have any people pleasers in here? It is so hard to avoid this kind of topic. All of us want to live a life where we don't want to make anybody angry. We want people to be happy. So how do we know if we've crossed the line from just being a good person to actually struggling with this chronic people-pleasing that we're going to address today? Well, I want to give you three sentence definitions of how you know that maybe you've gone from being a good person and trying to help out to, man, maybe this people-pleasing thing could be dominating my life. So here's what a people pleaser is. A people pleaser is someone who lives to be liked and accepted. Lives to be liked and accepted. Meaning, if you're not liked and accepted, it ruins you. It destroys you. It's hard to even live your life if you feel like someone doesn't like you or someone doesn't accept you for who you are. You live to be liked and accepted. Or you're controlled by the fear of what people think. It's okay to think about what people think about you. We all do that. But if it controls you and inhibits you from living, then maybe you struggle with being a people pleaser. Or you do whatever it takes to earn or maintain the approval of others. You do whatever it takes for someone to like you, even if that means compromising who you are. So do we have any people pleasers in the house? There's a verse from Solomon that I want to kick off with you this morning that gets to the heart of what a people pleaser is and how it damages our lives. The wisest person ever to live says it this way in Proverbs 29, 25. He says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And some of you say, I don't fear people. Like, I'm not scared of people. But fearing people may actually come out of this disease to please. For instance, you may be fearing what other people think. You may be fearing letting someone down. You may fear what people will think if you say no. You are fearing having a hard conversation. There's that fear. You're not scared of people like they may hurt you physically, but you're scared of letting them down. You're scared to what their response will be if you say no. You're scared if you have to tell someone the truth and they may get mad at you. We fear what other people think and it controls us. And Solomon is so clear. It's a dangerous trap. Now this word dangerous trap in Hebrew can also be translated as a snare. It's a snare that we use to trap little animals with. And so think about this. 
When we fear what people have to say and we live by other people's opinion of us, it traps us and ensnares us and we can't get out. We are trapped by making other people happy. We're trapped by other people's opinions of us. So much so that we say and do things that are counterintuitive to our faith. How many people feel trapped in here by pleasing people? Like I told you, I, I didn't think I really struggled with this, especially when we were preparing this message. I thought, I don't know, until this morning. <laughs> I got up this morning around 6 a.m., and I started to make my drive around Sandusky, where I live, to see if we should have service today. And at first, it wasn't snowing really badly. And I'm texting Charles, texting Mark, texting uh, Ryan. Pastor Todd's not feeling well today, so I let him sleep. And we're just trying to figure out what we should do. And then I'm driving here from Sandusky to Norwalk. I'm like, it's getting worse outside. What do we do? I think we should stay open. Then as I walk in, I'm standing here getting ready for this morning. I have a staff member texting me saying, I don't think we should be open. I have another staff member, a.k.a. Charles, saying we should stay open. I'm thinking, what do we do? I felt trapped at that moment. I felt like if I make this decision, I'm letting these people down. If I make this decision, I'm going to let these people down. I felt like I couldn't do what God's asking me to do, to lead our church, because I didn't want to let someone down. I remember a couple years ago, I served on the uh, Perkins School Board, and we were making the decision to go back to school. And I'm sitting literally at the Perkins football stadium because there are so many parents wanting to know what decision we're going to make to go back to school or not. And I'm sitting in front of all these people, hundreds of people. I look over here, I know this person, they have a mask on and they do not want us to go back to school. I know this person that if we don't go back to school, they're going to text me and call me and tell me I'm a bad leader. I'm like, what do we do? I felt so trapped. I knew that some of our board members were thinking this way, but I was thinking a different way. And if I make this decision as a new board member, what are they going to think about me? I felt so trapped. So many of us, every single day, whether we recognize it or not, we please people. And we do so in such a way where we are confined to living a life that God doesn't have for us. God's life for you and I is freedom. And so many of us are not free because we are a chronic people pleaser. We have the disease to please. And this morning, we need to get out of that because too many of us are exhausted by living this way. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be in there the whole time today. The Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to this church in Thessalonica. And if you know anything about Apostle Paul, that man is not a people pleaser. But he could have been. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was a Jew. He persecuted Christians. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Then all of a sudden, he has this radical transformation. He becomes a Christian. He starts to live the Christ-like way. He plants churches. He allows people to know Jesus. He converts people to Christ. And yet there were these other people on the other side trying to pull him back, saying, hey, come back to your Jewish roots. What are you doing? But Paul, he doesn't live that way. He lives boldly. He lives courageously. And the only way he was able to do that was he knew that to please God would be the opposite of pleasing people. He knew if he tried to please everyone, he would be trapped. And he wouldn't be able to live the life God has for him. And if you and I continue to live trapped, we won't be able to live the life that God has for us either. And so when the Apostle Paul's writing this church in Thessalonica, he's talking about spreading the good news and how he did that. 
how he did so by not being a people pleaser. And I want us to learn from him this morning. So let me read this passage to us. 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 6. Notice the anti-people pleasing in Paul as we read. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you, it was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. For he alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. I'm going to give you a few ways that you and I can give up our pleasing, pleasing people tendencies once and for all. But before we do that, as we look at this text, I want to show you what happens in your life and mine when we live as a people pleaser. The first way we see it in God's word is that it causes us to miss God's purpose for our lives. I love what Paul says in verse 4 here. He says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. There it is. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. Paul, he could have pleased people. He could have told people what they wanted to hear. If he did that, he would miss out on his purpose. His purpose in life was to please God even when opposition, when, when he was facing opposition. The same thing is for you and I. Do you want to know what you're supposed to do in life? Do you want to know your meaning, your purpose? Your purpose in life and my purpose in life is simple. Live for God's glory. Live to please him. Live to honor him. And you and I, we get to do that every single day. If you're a parent, you get to honor God. If you're a grandparent, you get to honor God. If you work at Walmart, you get to honor God. If you're a teacher, you get to honor God. If you're a construction worker, if you're an accountant, if you're a stay-at-home parent, whatever you do, whoever you are on a daily basis, you have the opportunity to simply live life for God's glory and to please him and to know him. And when you please God in every arena of your life, whether it's as a parent, or in the workplace, or as a friend, or as a student, however that is, you will live a satisfied life. I mean, all of us in this world want two things. We want to know that our life counts, and we want to be happy. If you want to know your purpose and meaning, and you want happiness, I should say joy, which isn't based on circumstances, if you want those two things, all you and I have to do is live to please God. And then you'll be satisfied. You will have everything that you want, even when life is hard. But if you and I at all trade that in for pleasing people, all of a sudden our purpose changes, doesn't it? Now we're trying to keep other people happy. And when you try to keep other people happy, you yourself will be exhausted. You'll never be happy. It is a rat race. Because you've got to keep your spouse happy. Then you've got to keep your boss happy. Then you have to keep your kids happy. That is tiring to live that way. 
That's why one of my life verses that I've had to adopt at an early age, once I became a Christian, was another verse that Paul says to the Galatians. Galatians 1.10. He says, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If people-pleasing were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see the either-or in his language. I either please God or I please people. If I please people, I shouldn't be surprised if I can't please God and my purpose is struggling and my happiness is waning because it's an either-or thing. So the question is, what path are you going to take? Now, here's the greatest thing. If you please God and you're satisfied in him, you get to love other people well. You get to serve them. You get to love them. You get to make them happy because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God. And when you do it for God, it's just an overflow in your life. For example, it pleases God when we honor and care for our spouse. It pleases God when we humble ourselves and serve others. It pleases God when we make sacrifices to help other people move up the ladder. When we love God and we serve God, we will love and serve other people well. Not to please them, not to keep them happy, not to satisfy them. We will be so satisfied in God, we will know exactly how to treat other people. But it can't be the reverse. It has to be God first. And when I know him, and I'm satisfied in him, and my purposes are him, then I'm going to know exactly how to love people the right way. So for us to know how to do this, the antithesis of people-pleasing is this. Instead of living the approval of people, live in the acceptance of Jesus. Realize that no matter who you are or what you do, no matter how many times you fail or who you let down, you can never lose Jesus' approval for you. It's not based on your conditions. It's not based on how many times you read the Bible or if you forgot to pray that day. It's based on God's love. You were accepted by him. When you live in that way, you don't have to live for the approval of people. Again, going back to our verse in Proverbs 29, 25, we recognize that when we live for people, it's a trap. Here's the antithesis to that. If we trust in the Lord, it means safety. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? Well, it means to give our whole selves to him. It means to put our confidence in him, the whole weight of our lives onto him. We trust our whole being to God and say, God, here's my life. However you dictate it and whatever the results are, it's on you now. What does is, what is Solomon say? When we do that, it leads to safety. Another translation says this, trusting in the Lord leads to being exalted. Not exalted in a prideful way. This word exaltion means to be lifted up. You know what that means? It means to be lifted up to safety above the trap. That if you and I trust God with our whole being and we live to please him, then he will protect us from being ensnared by the trap of pleasing people. If you want to be freed 
once and for all. You don't want to be trapped by what other people think about you anymore. You don't want to be trapped by if they are disappointed by you or if you disappoint them. If you want to get out of that and live in freedom once and for all, let him pull you out of that. The only way that you can be safe is to trust in him, to lean into him, to know how much he cares about you and that you're accepted by him. The second way Paul tells us that people-pleasing hurts us is it leads to hypocrisy. Again, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians for a moment. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 5. He said, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. When we please people, we will make compromises. When we please people, we will flatter others. Do you know what flattery is? Oftentimes it's lying. We say something that the other person wants to hear so they feel good about themselves, even though we don't always believe it, so that they feel good about themselves. And if they feel good about themselves, we feel good about ourselves. That's what flattery is. It's deceit. And when we live as a people pleaser, we're deceiving not only that person, we're deceiving ourselves. And again, we do things that are not going to be in line with following Christ. How many times have you and I said something or have done something where we say, what in the world am I doing? That does not line up with my values as a Christ follower. But we do it anyways because we want people to like us. Do you know why a lot of people, friends, family, co-workers of ours, don't want to come to church? Because they see you and they see me flattering people and doing things against our faith. And they see a different person on Monday through Saturday than what we project in here on a Sunday. When you please people, I promise you, you'll never be able to please God. You yourself will never be pleased. And you will always be a phony. You will be an actor. You will be trying to live like two different people. And eventually, that's going to split, and you're going to have to make a decision. Is it pleasing God or pleasing people? You can't have it both. Because when you try to do both, we're hypocritical. We're not our whole selves. So how do you get over this? What do you do so that you, you're, you're your whole self? What do you do? So you live with integrity. We saw last week, Annie Stanley says, integrity is doing what you ought to, even if it costs you. How can I make sure to live that kind of life? Well, we need to slow down. We need to let God examine our hearts and invite godly accountability, godly accountability into our lives. Again, I love what Paul says in verse 4 here. He says, our purpose is to please God, not people. And then after that, he says, it's, it's God who examines the motives of our hearts. Do you want to know if you're living hypocritically or not? You don't usually know until after the fact. You may know it in the moment, but you oftentimes justify it. The ways that I know it are after the fact. When I look back and say, I just said that, or I just did that. And if I was in front of my pastor, Charles, I wouldn't be talking like that. <laughs> it's not legalism. It's dualism. 
We don't always know we're a different person until someone catches us or we do something that damages ourselves or our reputation. That's why Paul is clear here to say the only way that you can figure it out before it's too late is you have to let God examine your heart. That's why being in prayer and in God's word every single day, it's not legalism, something that you have to do. It's something we have to do. We need to do it. So that if we are going this way, when we should be going this way, and we're living hypocritically, or we're living just to please people, God can say, hey, look, you don't have to live this way anymore. Let me show you the kind of freedom that you can have if I take you out of this trap that you've been in. You're living like this at work, but you're living like this at home. Or you're living like this with your friends, but you're living like this in front of your spouse. Let's get you here. And it's God that examines our and accountability from others. That's why being in community is so important. I love the proverb that says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Before that, it says, enemies multiply kisses. Interesting. Which means this. I would rather have a friend who looks me in the eye and says, Eric, you just preached about people-pleasing, and yet look at how you're living in this area of your life. There's something wrong here. Let's talk about that. That is going to hurt badly. And if you see me doing that and you want to talk to me after the service, give me just a couple of hours so I can come down <laughs> and then email me later. But truly, I would rather be wounded by someone who loves me enough to say, Eric, I know your direction is here, but right now you're going here. And you may not even see it. I would rather be wounded by a friend than be around people who see me making a mess of my life and all they do is tell me what I want to hear because probably they're people pleasers as well. <laughs> I don't want to be around people who multiply kisses to make me feel good. I want someone to punch me in the face in love. And they wound me enough because they want me to be out of this trap of people pleasing. Are you slowing down your life so you can hear God's voice? Are you slowing down and inviting him to speak to you? Do you have people in your life, in your family and in your church community, who you've given permission with to speak into your life? And if they do, are you being defensive are you putting up a wall or are you allowing that to come into your life so that you don't live a dual life? The third thing Paul tells us, it's the last thing we'll talk about this morning, is this. It keeps us from speaking the truth. I love what Paul says here. This comes to our faith in Christ. He says, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet... Our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. How many of us, because we're afraid of what a coworker may think or a family member may think, how many of us hide our faith or we don't talk about it because we don't want to offend someone? We don't want to hurt someone. We don't want to get in an argument with them. How many times... Have we wanted to speak the truth about Jesus to someone that we love, but because we didn't want to offend them, we didn't say it? Paul is so secure 
and who he is as God's child and as a follower of Jesus, that he said, despite great opposition, I still proclaim the good news to you. If you wanted to hurl rocks at me, if you wanted to uh, be offended by me, I can't control that. But I love you enough that I'm going to speak the truth of God's word. How many of us see one of our family members or friends going the wrong path, but we don't want to rock the boat, and so we don't want to speak into their lives? How often have we had a friend say something about another friend, and yet we don't stick up for this friend because we don't want to get in the middle of that? The the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. And when we're apathetic and removed because we don't want to speak the truth, that's worse than hating somebody. And when you're a people pleaser, you're going to be apathetic very quickly because you don't want to rock the boat. When it's God who may be saying, hey, I have you in this place for a reason. Rock the boat. I promise you, you're not going to tip over. Are you willing to speak the truth? John Piper, he's a pastor and author. He drops the mic with this quote. It's so convicting. He says, the fear of man can immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. The fear of man, people-pleasing, can immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. You want to speak the truth? Do it. Speak the truth in love. But make sure to not leave off the truth. Make sure to speak the truth. Let me end with this story. My best friend, his name's Jeff. One of the greatest guys that I know. God brought him into my life when I really needed a friend. And we've been friends for a long time since. But a year, year and a half ago, I saw him making some decisions that really weren't that bad, to be honest. But I know in our conversations, we have said to each other, if you see it, call it out. No questions. Well, I saw something in his life, and again, if I told you what it was, you're like, that's not really a big deal, and it's not. But I promised him that I would say something to him. And so I remember getting lunch with him, and I was petrified. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I just wanted to be loving. I just wanted to just ask him how his life is, how his kids are, how this is going, and then leave. But I just felt like if I did that, I would be multiplying kisses. And I knew we at one point said we're friends and friends hurt each other to make us more like Christ. And so I sat there. I was like, oh, man, I don't even know how to bring this up. How do you go from, hey, how's your wife? Hey, you know what you're doing wrong? <laughs> I just prayed and I finally got into, hey, can I, can I share something with you? We call this a 5% conversation. Joe brought it up last week. Oftentimes we say 95% of what we want to say, and we leave the 5% off, which is usually the most important. So I said to him, hey, can I have a 5% conversation with you? Here's what I saw in your life. And man, he was so humble. In fact, he said, Eric, it's so crazy you say that. God's really been speaking to me. I just haven't had the courage to do this. But when you're saying this, I really want to live this way. And since then, I've not seen it one time in his life. That's not because of me and my grand words. I stumbled, I fumbled, I almost didn't even say it. But when you don't people please, you're making a promise to God, God, my life is yours, and I will do hard things. I will share my faith, I will live this way, or if I see a friend who's a Christ follower going this way, I will share words with that person. Who in your life 
do you need to rock the boat? I'm not saying tip it over. <laughs> rock it. Who in your life have you not spoken about Jesus about because you're afraid of what they're going to say? I'm right there with you. But you can either please them and potentially allow them to go to hell. Or you please God and trust God with the results, knowing that you've done everything you can. What do you want to do? And at the end of this, you're like, I'm still not convinced. Maybe you'll be convinced by this. Jesus didn't please everyone. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. I'm so encouraged by that. Jesus came to his own people. They rejected him. Jesus still lived to please God. It meant death. But death turned to life. And because he didn't please people, I am here today, and so are you. You have a choice to make. Please God, please people. The choice is yours. Let's pray together. Lord, it's not the big things that I wrestle with when it comes to people, please. It's the little things, the little lies, the little things that I don't say that I should say. God, free me, cure me from the disease to please. For Lord, even though it feels good in the moment, not only am I hurting the other person, I am being trapped as well. Help me to be so confident in who you are that I will live a life of kindness and gentleness, but boldness and courage because my eyes are focused on you alone. Thank you, Lord, for not caving to the pressure of people. For if you did, none of us would be staying here. But because you didn't, we have a place in heaven because of you. Help us to be heaven to other people as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Be safe as you